This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns of Odin. Now, Horns of Odin is a family-run business, and we sell Norse-inspired products. Particularly, we specialise in handmade, handcrafted drinking horns, which I made myself. But alongside that, we have a huge clothing collection. We sell a bunch of different meads. We've got beers and ales. We've got handmade jewellery, books, artwork. So if you like the sound of any of that, pop over to the website. It's www.hornsofodin.com. If you, if you like anything, pop it in the cart. Use the code HORNS10 at checkout, and you're going to get 10% off your entire order. Now, that's HORNS10. It's going to get you 10% off your entire order. It's just a little thank you from us for listening to the podcast. The podcast is also brought to you by our website, NordicMythologyPodcast.com. Some of you have already seen that we've got a bunch of different merch on there. We've got some t-shirt designs. Now, we've just added a brand new limited edition t-shirt. So there's only going to be 100 of these printed. After that, we're never going to print them again. So just pick one up whilst you can. So the design has been done by last week's guest, Jakob, aka Raven from the North, who was on last week's episode. It's a one-off design. Just pop over to the website, have a look. It's Odin and his two ravens. It's a really beautiful t-shirt. I'm definitely going to get one. I think we've sold probably about 25% of them already. So just pop over to NordyMythologyPodcast.com and have a look and see what you think. Right, let's jump into the show. Mike the Chris Holder, uh, Chris Michael. Now, give them some space to do their introduction. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, this is this is staying in. This is definitely staying in. <laughs> we love it. We love it already. <laughs> Welcome to the Naughty Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co-owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvik. Hello. Now, this time, we have the pleasure of uh, welcoming Maria Franz, uh, Christopher Yule and Kai Uwe Faust from Heilung on our podcast. Uh, welcome. It is wonderful to see you all again. How are you guys doing? Great. I would say, uh, yeah, we're having, a, we're having a good time uh, in the studio. We're sitting in Christopher's recording studio in uh, Copenhagen, outside of Copenhagen, uh, Lava Studios, which is our cave we built it for Highland more or less and of course uh, other projects but uh, yeah we're spending a lot of time uh, here uh, composing and uh, yeah Kai wanted to smash uh, a shield for a couple of days we didn't get to do that yet but maybe tomorrow <laughs> who knows <laughs> the mood is building up <laughs> that's exactly what I would expect a band like you to do as well that's yeah. I think we should just end the episode right now and just be that's yeah. it done yeah we're, we're sorry you know we have to go and, and smash the shield so so that's it bye <laughs> I imagine that gives you a lot of time to get in the studio and get some some new stuff made I, I hope yeah we, we kind of went back into our bubble from where everything started and we just kind of been there for some time uh, and 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 we love it here actually mm. it, it is it is amazing you know we we are really diving deep into both artwork and 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 sounds at the moment uh, and 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 quite frankly it's pretty nice just relaxing a little bit also and we have a lot of trips outside in nature and yeah, yeah. We, we do a lot of recordings outside also yeah I'm, I'm personally, I'm, I'm very grateful for the <clears throat> for the extra time we're getting because uh, uh, we, we have been touring a lot, which is 
amazing fun. Uh, but uh, now we really have time to like really dive deep, you know, to really, you know, take time to find the perfect sounds, the perfect vibe and everything to do like research to an extent that was never possible before, you know, and uh, you you will, you know, whatever comes out of this later, you will feel this, you know, you will hear this and uh, it's very valuable time. Or maybe we just finally got so nerdy that no one actually is able to (laughs) 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 what do you think of this sound of a dark with reverb on it's just so nice (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's always um always a thing that could happen you could just go so far into in one direction and so specific but i mean i'm sure people would love it I think that that is kind of what we thought we already did. But uh, but uh, <laughs> I was going to say I was I, today. I made a, an effort to like a conscious effort to put your albums on in the background when I was in the workshop and listen to everything from beginning to end. And I mean, when you have a a song that is maybe like four minutes of just talking in German. I, I mean, I'm not a language specialist, but I'm. I assumed it was German. Um, I think that's quite a bold statement. Anyway, you you kind of you put it out there and that's that is what it is you know people are gonna i assume love it on a hey i enjoyed it for sure yeah that that has a a long tradition actually because like the the poems this like super long german uh, german uh, german poems i'm reciting them for for a really long time like uh, some of them like for nearly 20 years and i was uh, performing them around the campfire on like uh, viking markets internationally and like like of course like the people didn't speak german but you know like of course, they had the luxury to see me in person and all my hand movements with it. But it was always about the feeling, right? You know, it was always to uh, to, to give something. And I think even when if everyone would understand everything to the last detail, it was would take a little bit away from the mysticism. So yeah, yeah I actually, I actually find it it, it it fun because I think the whole project here is a one giant, uh, you know, language barrier in the first place. You know, because <laughs> like literally some of the languages are dead. Uh, so, so at least with the German, you would have a p- possibility to to look it up somewhere. But, but uh, uh, I, I had no idea. I had to Google. I had to Google it. I, I, I and I love it. You know, I think I think what 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 I. I think this this project started kind of as as uh, Kai coming to me in the studio because he wanted to recite his German poems. Uh, that is kind of how we started. It was not like let's make this. Uh, tribal uh, <laughs> band that's gonna hit all the nordic charts or something uh, <laughs> it was really just kai wanting to to record some poets uh, poetry and 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 me putting some sounds on it and and one sound led to the other and you know we can i was to kai like hey can you sing a little bit also maybe and maria was coming by and slowly this whole thing became i don't so what you're telling me <laughs> Is is a is a, a couple of uh, friends are hanging out in his studio in the outskirts of Copenhagen, and then all of a sudden you break out the warrior gear and <laughs> and it's the Tjotsborg Forest all over again. <laughs> I, I get I get the weirdness uh, in it, and and uh, and and you know, like that one day Maria was coming home, uh, and and we were recording what became Kristalda uh, later. Uh, and it was literally just Kai standing half naked in in our backyard, screaming, you know, <laughs> for the <laughs> for the display of the whole uh, area. 
And at that time, we lived in an area which kind of suburban uh, houses around people walking their dogs and their small kids and everything. And I come home from my normal job at that point, you know, just biking home and then like hearing from a distance, like, ah! <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> did, did you instantly know where it was coming from there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and guys, like, he's covered in tattoos, right? And just standing, yeah, it was a warm day, so half naked in the garden, and people who didn't know recording equipment wouldn't even see the microphones. It just looked so insane. Yeah, there, there was this tradition of people walking the dog near the garden. Yeah. They, they had a tendency to walk a little slower yeah. every time they walked oh, by. Um, I bet. I mean, Kai, you probably could make an OnlyFans with that. Oh, yeah, me half naked? Yeah, you could make a lot of money. Yeah, let's make a Kai Lender. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That might be the best pun, yeah. I like the way you leaned back then as well when you said it. You know that was a good one, and you leaned back into the seat. <laughs> Actually, um, um, so so I can reveal something that some a secret project that I'm working on. I'm actually writing uh, an article about you. So this is um, uh, actually the, the more the listener experience of uh, of Heilong um, as a, uh, a as as sort of a, a band that builds the uh, the feeling and idea and experience of the past in a religious sense. So so um, basically, like the neo pagan experience of Heilong is what I'm researching right now with uh, with a buddy of mine. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I think it's. Uh, we're we're only in the beginning of the process, so there's still a lot of you know, things that are going to happen. But um, but 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 um, this this aspect of uh, of like you know singing in different languages, singing in dead languages, and all that stuff is something that, of course, I will be looking looking a lot into. And I think it's really is really a, an exciting um, thing to do in general. And I kind of wanted to ask you, what does it mean for you guys to to be singing in all of these different languages and basically like synthesizing multiple older and modern languages in that way. I've enjoyed the process because uh, being in the Viking reenactment environment since I was 11, of course, I came across lots of uh, poetry and old writings in Old Norse, but never really gave it much thought to the pronunciation because I was just reading it and then meeting Kai and hearing how you make these dead languages come alive with your uh, personality and the way you are performing the pieces with such an intensity has been super inspiring to 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 do to work with and discover and uh, I think the best thing you said to me was uh, bring your own Norwegian dialect into uh, the words you're you're singing so I come from a small village in uh, Norway called Burre. Um, and yeah, we have we have a local dialect where we use the very thick L, like when you say instead of blå, you say blå, which is an impossible sound to make for any Danish person I've met. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> come on, say it. Nope, say it. Say it. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> It's saliva all over the Imagine being a Dane trying to get a taxi to that place. <laughs> so what would be the excuse? 
what would be the excuse for all the um, different accents in the UK? Because we have we have different accents, a stone's throw away, which is wildly different that a lot of people can't understand or tell the difference between when you go to somewhere like Liverpool with a Scouse accent and then I guess up to like Newcastle, which is so wildly different. You've you've had a lot of years to like sit there in your your little different villages and come up with weird ways of pronouncing. That's things. it. Yeah, and you so. see, you see it in Norway too, right? <laughs> so, 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 like, like, like a mountain can do the big difference, right? Until someone drills a tunnel through it, and they all of a sudden figure out there's someone on the other side. Completely you know, and the dialect is completely different. So, mm-hmm. so even though Norway and and Denmark has roughly the same amount of people living there. Because of the distance between the people in Norway, you see like 159 different dialects, and some of them are like completely different languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's super interesting. Yeah. I, I, w- I would like to just touch base a little bit on, 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 on another language I think we also are working with here, which is maybe not the, 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 the written languages as you found, find on, on a lot of the sources we're, we're doing. And that is music in general, I think. And, and I think that is a thing uh, we are working a lot with. But our approach is is instead of going from like a some found object that's probably been like a tourist gift from somewhere down south that you brought to hang on the wall because you didn't know how to play it. Uh, the thing we 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 are more looking into is maybe just this actual sounds of nature and trying to figure out some sort of melody in what appears to be chaos to begin with. And I think that sometimes also goes in and and speaks a little bit with 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 how. You, you 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 can hear folk music up to this day. Of course, a lot of the folk music we know here in Scandinavia and specifically Sweden and Norway is 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 more like based from the Renaissance because that is where we start to see possibilities of writing it down. So we, except of some small things, we we maybe think is notes from a, a runestone in 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 in, in Yulan. Uh, we we really don't know anything, and so 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 therefore we can go into more like the sounds of the words, for instance, like like if we have particular sounds that sounds like the animal, for instance, like there must be some point where music and words and singing and all these things melts together with how we mimic nature around us. And you see that in the way instruments are almost the same if you go far enough back in time, like with flutes or, or boat or, or stringed instruments, uh, that, that, that the sign of the things, you know, becomes the same. Basically, just have different names, like like for instance, the the dulcimer or the santu or the hakepa is basically the same instrument, but you find them all over the world, right? Mm. Uh, and 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 I think a big part of how we start to create a lot of the sounds is, is taking like a completely chaotic sound, like a waterfall or a crackling fire or or something that is like atmospheric to the time. And then try to figure out, okay, what would inspire you as a human sitting around this thing and then, you know, create art out of it. And it's an important point now that we went into the the, the nerdy side of things to Sorry. add. <laughs> that, uh, Christopher has developed a, a really, really cool way of extracting the nerve and the DNA of nature sounds in his studio. So that's why it's also really, it, it is amplified history we're working with because like the fire cracking in El Damsurin, if people know this song, it starts with fire and the fire turns into a beat. This beat is not created by us. It is it is in the fire, but Chris just had the the plugins and the means and the and time. And the time, yeah. <laughs> 
no, that that's awesome. I love how you, especially not now. I know that that you kind of brought that that sound from the element itself. I think that's 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 beautiful. That's definitely one thing I noticed listening. I said listening to your albums today, just that feeling with nature that you're getting. It's very kind of organic and and natural and yeah. It's, I really it's, I really enjoy. It. It's different to most things I would necessarily listen to. I think obviously there's only a few of you you guys around that do music like what you do. So when I'm listening to a more modern rock band, it's very much a modern sound. Whereas it's so refreshing and nice to hear that very much natural thing. Even when it comes to to the words and Kai shouting in German, it's uh, it's still very organic and natural and, and kind of takes you away. I mean, it's a matter of taste, you know, like I once declined uh, invitation to a fetish party because um, the lady wanted me to come and get, get dressed in an old style German uniform and, <laughs> and shout at people and, and with them. And I, that, that was, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which part of it didn't you want to do? Uh, we can't really dive too deep. Okay. There's minor, minors listening to it, but you know, like, <laughs> I guess I missed an amazing party. <laughs> I was not expecting that story to go there. <laughs> but I mean, as soon as you said fetish party, I was like, all right, here we go. I'm going to hold on to my seat and see where this one ends up. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you have actually a good career choice there if we fail miserably with Highland. Yeah, then, then I do a, what, what was that, a Patreon or something? Only fans. Yeah, only yeah. fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only fans shouting at people in German. Yeah, it's, it's dot com. Only fans is Kai with only pants shouting at people. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. So I guess like, like we talked about earlier, you started out with you three just as friends hanging out, and it's a very organic start to the band which i think is beautiful i think that's how the best things in the world are created how do you get from that to being dressed up on stage the way you do and performing with such vigor and how at what point does it take that leap to to the stage performance that's a really good question so so uh, um i think i was gonna start out you go so um what you see that is on us on stage a lot of it comes from before even Hyrule basically so so some of it and i think i can talk more of, of his uh, dress but uh, but how how it looks a lot of it is of course amplified but this it was not all of it specifically made for Heinem on stage uh like like my dress for instance is a reenactor's dress that i've been wearing at uh, viking events and stuff like his that mom made uh, my mom made it yeah <laughs> uh, I'm a horrible uh, what do you call it? Sue? seamstress yeah whatever seamstress yeah. Uh, but no, uh, no. But what I want to say is, is we were laughing in the studio because we did like these very long mantra pieces where I cut out all the breathing because ah, we're never gonna play that live, so so that's not gonna be a problem, uh, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we 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 started to 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 feel a quite good pressure uh, on 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 pull from from different um, organizers that wanted us to to perform it live, and then oh. Uh, who's gonna breathe? Uh, <laughs> and it kind of started from there. So, so it was. We knew a, a year in advance that that we were gonna uh, do this live. And 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 um, being a person that I've produced quite a lot of live shows and and different bands and all that, I must say this was the biggest task ever 
for me, really, like, 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 because, for instance, like I talked before about amplifying nature sounds, you, you don't really bring a waterfall to a stage, right? Uh, but you still, uh, of course, you can bring a recording of it, but you also need to, to kind of portray what is important that is a natural sound, right? Why, what is the intention of the sound? Where do you want to put people mentally when they hear sound, right? So, so that goes a lot of thought into, to how we, we, we kind of, you know, put this into to, to people's ears. So so like one good example I always like to put off here is the sound of birds. So normally when you go to a concert, you will maybe hear like a Spotify playlist or something like that and to get people pumped up for the gig or something. But what we do is is we, we just have a pretty plain recording of, uh, of a forest, which is uh, nearby where we made the first album. And, and, and you just hear these beautiful birds singing and that's it, you know. Yeah, and the whole, like you said, like, yeah, we were three friends uh, who created something in the studio and all of a sudden the the task was to get it live. And as Chris very well put it, it was an extreme task because, uh, <laughs> yeah, also, I don't know, we just, I just have this fantastic image in my head coming again, just coming from the outside into the uh, kitchen in our pra old practice room. And I see... Chris standing with a stick and beating Kai in beat. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a fish party again. <laughs> and, and he was screaming in German. You yeah. know? <laughs> Why was I not invited? I mean, come on. <laughs> sounds like a great party. <laughs> yeah, the pain with the beauty shall rise. <laughs> yeah, no, it was something, a theory about getting it physical to kind of really yeah, feel the beating, as yeah. we then started uh, to say, instead of feel the beat, feel the beating. <laughs> and, um, and that was, I think, uh, Alpha del Haiti, the, the rap part, as we put it. Oh, no, that, that was uh, uh, Kriegsgaard. Uh, Kriegsgaard. The English part. The English part, English English part of Kriegsgaard. Kriegsgaard. Yeah, that yeah. was the most general. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that took you like a couple of months, just that little piece. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that was intense. But now, like with everything, as soon as you trained it, uh, it's really sticks and some of these songs are just you know they just run on repeats now also with the new material that we're making uh we just i'm constantly singing in the ancient uh babylonian <laughs> texts it's just uh yeah. okay i'm not gonna speak more like the the step from the studio to the stage was uh was quite an insane thing to do i i really have to say like i mean that that was that phase was literally one of the most intense periods in my whole life that was really that was really intense yeah. from from learning you know like i mean these guys are pro musicians since quite a while and i come from the tattoo world originally you know and uh, of course i have to like you know train and you know learn and i had to submit as well you know that was also quite important and coming from a world where i'm I'm the artist, you know, and everything basically evolved or revolves around me when I'm performing tattoo art, right? And then, you know, becoming part of uh, a trinity that that was uh, different, you know, that felt completely different. And uh, also, like as a tattoo artist, I'm the one that makes the rhythm, you know, I'm the one that decides when when the needle goes in and out and where it, where it goes and and uh, suddenly i'm i'm part of a bigger machinery you know that's uh, and then of course you know everything there's a lot of a lot of spirit, personal spirituality in uh, uh, in the music 
and uh, that was kept from me uh, as a German person, you know, having a Nordic uh, spirituality that can be quite a challenge to uh, live that very, very openly, right? And um, then suddenly everyone wanted to see it, you know, everything that I was like just quietly mumbling for a very small circle of people in the forest. Suddenly there were so many people that just wanted to hear that and like made a long way to to see that, you know, I'm like... Beautiful. I think also it's a good place to start mentioning, you know, that that you know when we do Heilung in the studio, we are this bubble, and of course it's also what ends up uh, amplified on stage. But 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 uh, as we were talking about, no breathing pauses between stuff uh, in the studio. Of course, that is not possible for real. So therefore, uh, uh, we needed more people, and and and. Uh, we had like a good list of people we thought that this would be perfect to 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 help us because we have been uh, in other projects involved with with all of them somehow uh, and we knew them very well in the in the folk music environment and and all of them said yes mm-hmm. uh, which was amazing and 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 already there like like on the like like Leifa that you see on on the internet uh, is, is of course the first high long show ever and it's the first time all of us also are together playing mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of it had to be prepared you know uh, uh, on long distance and, and everything uh, so 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 but what also happened there is is like all of a sudden we had this big family uh, mm-hmm. and 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 it like like having our own tribe that, that we can travel around with together and, and also after that has grown quite bigger uh, and with with even more p- lovely people and of course all the people on stage is only half the story. It's also all the people behind the stage that mm. helps, you know, and mm. they have as much heart in it as everyone else. And, and oh, it's yeah. brilliant people and, and like, like it wouldn't happen without them. And also lastly, like, like it is really important to even have a stage to stand on and, and have some people crazy enough to believe in you. And, and, and we knew that, you know, if this has to happen live, we needed a quite big setup, but we have never played live before. Right. So. So, so, so um, the, the the organizers of of uh, Castle Fest and and also uh, Milgaard's Blood were the first two to ask for it, uh, even before we had it, and they just had to trust us that whatever we came with would be okay to be headlining on their festival, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, with full on from zero to to one million in 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 in, uh, in, in one day, and and. Them believing in that was 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 also what made Heilung possible because it would not be possible to to take this whole thing and travel the small venues around Germany as you would do with a regular rock band or whatever. Mm. There's simply no space and stage, and also the the spiritual element uh, of of the actual show is so important that we can't just put it and squeeze it in everywhere. It has to be possible to to do it is in its entirety. It has to be dark. It, it, it it has to be a certain side of state so we can put all the things up there and all that so 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 it was really really fantastic to 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 very early on get the support of both castle fest and 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 Lugos Blood, and we wouldn't be here without them that's that's also in, incredibly fascinating to to consider so first of all one one of the most fascinating things about your performance is that it's a ritual um, I mean, I, I don't think we see a lot of modern rock bands and stuff like that that do that kind of stuff. But secondly, also, I mean, I, I, I feel like <laughs> um, what, what you often hear um, 
is that people go to a studio and record things because they want to be on a stage. Like that, that's sort of like the studio is like the, the way normally the idea. Yes. Right. <laughs> Whereas with, with you guys, it was like, well, we never really thought we were going to be on the stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I seriously didn't believe anyone else than my mom would like it. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and I actually was time where I was wondering whether she would like it, uh, but, but uh, I can I can say that she likes it. So, so <laughs> that, that's good nice. to hear. Yeah, I'm really happy about that, and I think she's proud. Uh, I'm sure uh, she would be. But uh, but no no, but, you know we we couldn't have anticipated where this would go because in a way Ofnia and also everything else we've done afterward uh, is created from our little bubble and it's very personal to us, you know. And, and you create your art for, first and foremost for yourself, I think, uh, and because you want to hear it. Uh, so, so we did not create any of this because we wanted to conquer the world with the new amplified history, whatever. You know, we didn't even know what to call it. You know, uh, and 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 yeah, and I think it, the key to all this is just to be true to yourself and also have your limits. You know, do you really want to cut down on? And what what you created, uh, or do you just want to play less? And mm. and and that is what we're doing. No, absolutely. I th I think true magic happens when people stay true to themselves and they create things that they want and that they like. And other people, you know, if if it's their thing, they're going to like it also. And hopefully, there's going to be enough of those people to make it a career for yourself. But as long as you're 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 doing what you love, then it's always going to be pure, rather than trying to tick the box for somebody else and try and make something for somebody else when it's not going to be authentic and you can always just tell you can tell when something's not authentic to somebody whereas with you guys you can tell it's very much raw you love it it's what you live for and that comes across on stage thank you so much thank you very much yeah I actually I very much agree with that and and, and this is uh uh it's funny because um uh, uh you're saying oh, this, this is personal stuff that you guys are creating right and uh, the, the funny thing is that uh, I think we all share a certain um, a experience background here that is part of informing the understanding of this music. Like, and that is, for instance, Viking markets in in Denmark. Um, I mean, I, I personally, for me, what I'm what I'm hearing and feeling when I listen to to Heilung is is that I'm being brought back to when I was like 13 or 14 at a Viking market somewhere in, in Denmark in like Moscow or something like that. And, uh, you know, the, the fun parties and all the, 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 the fun, funky things that would happen in such places. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, uh, um, we, we definitely uh, were uh, doing Viking before it was cool. I think I was around 10 or 11 when, when I went to my first real Viking market, at least. And, 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 you know, I remember all, all my, my friends, they thought it was so weird that this, that I wanted to dress up as a Viking. And it also probably, you know, at that time that it wasn't so, you know, it, it wasn't, not it was not all. as hype and pro, you know, so it's basically these old hippies. And I basically had like this old type bag from the post office around me and, and a rope around the belly. And it looked like, a, I don't know what it looked like, but it was, it was something. Uh, and, 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 you know, I was and, it looked like something at a fetish party, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spanking someone in German in a tension way. <laughs> but, but I'm sure that has happened at a Viking market before. Yes, 100%. Uh, it happens all the time. You know? uh, 
but I think what's communal for all for all of us, and I can uh, hear now, Matthias, it also goes for you. That growing up in in this uh, kind of environment is uh, is super healthy. You meet people from all over the world, and it's definitely sparked the interest for living history and our uh, yeah ancient poetry and everything we do today. And also, it's fascinating because uh, when we started building up for the first Highland uh, performance, we uh, we dug up everything we had hidden under the bed. I had like a box that's been traveling with me for 12 years and 12 apartments and it was just this box of feathers and the handmade beads I made when I was 11 at my first Viking market and stuff that I just had such a big personal value that I just couldn't get rid of. But I had no idea what to use it for. And then we started building up the Haydn performance and everything came to use. Every single little bead is now in some suit or hanging on a mic stand or, you know, so, so that's also the, the beauty of it. It really feels like a piece of the puzzle just slid into place. Mm. Uh, same with you, Kai. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Do you think you feel like the energies from all these different items that you've got up there on stage? By the sounds of it, it sounds like a lot of them are very personal to, to you guys. You must get like a sense of the, like just the energy from everything around you when you're on the stage and, and doing this this huge performance. Yeah, totally. Like all the all the art uh, items and artifacts, they're they're put on the coat very conscious, you know, like uh, there's also also things that are not Viking at all that you don't really see. There's, for example, a, a Buddha hidden uh, hidden in it that uh, that came to me. And uh, uh, it's it, it's in the heart area and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, while other while other other parts uh, are more in the root or feet area or whatever, you know, so everything is like thought through and meditated about and and all that kind of stuff. And of course, if you look at me, or you know, if you look at the coat, the coat is like let's say ninety percent fabric, right? So all that will be gone if, if if you put me in a grave with that. That 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 will will all be gone, and and suddenly you will you will find a skeleton with with a couple of amulets that really doesn't make any sin, sense. You know, it will be a male skeleton that has like female uh, buckles on it. You know, and they, they that 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 grave will have a huge file with like. Unknown ritual object, one, two, three, B, blah, blah. You know? <laughs> and when I see when I see uh, the drawings of uh, graves like that, you know that is you know that is mm, I I eat them up and I look through them, you know. And <laughs> I'm so uh, I'm so grateful uh, for uh, for the modern modern archaeology because like when you look at older, you know, when people were digging in the 1800s, they you find a list of the metal objects that were in the grave, you know, and then they write like a short footnote, it contained rests of textiles that they threw out or whatever that yeah. just disappeared on the air. But nowadays, you know, you have these like beautiful uh, little maps of the finding place where every position is marked in height and everything. And it's just, there's so much information that, that, that we're able to gather these days. It's just amazing. And that is that is for me, you know, I like the super high spiritual value that we have in absolutely dry scientific public publications, right? Because they don't give you any conclusions. Yes, that is a shaman that is laying there, but they give you all this that was laying there, that was laying here. It was placed like this, you know, it was male skeleton, mm. female skeleton, whatever, you know, mm. and then then you can do, do the homework yourself. You know, like I, I find it, for example, absolutely fascinating 
that uh, we have all this fuss around the horse in the Viking Age, right? Up to horse burials on the Faroe Islands. What the fuck? I mean, you're burying a horse? Eat it for fuck's sake. You know, <laughs> why do you do that as, as pagans? And uh, uh, But then, you know, when you go, uh, when you look at like Scythian graves, they also have this like, Horse thing, horse thing going on. There's like I see a lot of similarities in the art and everything, and that that's you know that is really that that still puzzles me to this very day. You know that still inspires me, makes me think, gives me sleepless nights. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it must just be, I imagine, a respect thing when it comes to to the horse, because I imagine a horse would make your life so much easier, especially when it comes to farming and agriculture. So I guess when he died. You would you must have a connection and it's just a respect not like I wouldn't eat my dog I guess and I wonder if it's that same. Oh, that's such a British situation. thing to say, man. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. Eat the horse. Or a dog. I might eat somebody else's dog, but I don't want to eat my dog. <laughs> I I need my dog. So <laughs> if I if we were in a situation, yeah, oh no. I mean, if we if if we were in a situation where I had to eat my dog, then the, the dog's getting eaten. Let's be, let's be true. But I mean, like, if the dog died naturally and I didn't need to eat it, I would prefer to bury it because I respect and I've, I've you know I've loved him and he's, he's my dog, man. I hope you don't have a chihuahua. Oh no, no, no that's not going to fill me up. So, Maria, one thing we have to speak about whilst we're talking about. The costumes is obviously your headdress, which is I guess becomes so iconic to the band, um, and also just like I guess your face in general has also become a big, a big part of like the, the covers and promotional material. I've seen your face tattooed on people now as well. Um, that must be extremely surreal. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is actually quite surreal. There's one who uh, maybe he's listening, uh, <laughs> but uh, there's one who has uh, my face on his uh, right uh, hand. So like on the palm. So every time he greets someone, uh, he, he, actually my face is there, you know? It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's hard to think of. But, but at the same time, I totally um, distancing myself from the symbol that we have been creating. And I don't see it per per se as me uh of course it's it's me but it's a different side of me uh, it's a yeah it's more of a symbol and and the um, i love how everything came together with that whole look because it was just fragments of ideas and i just knew that i wanted to be white light and like a contrast to kai's darkness and um, also that I, I would like a, a Norwegian reindeer antler uh, on my head. I had no idea how to mount it or anything, but we just dove, dive, were diving into it. And I found that antler in such a weird place also. So, so it's just everything just came came together. And no one knew how anyone would look before the first day on production practice at uh, Kotun, where I used to work as a, as a booker at that time. It's a small venue in, in Copenhagen. And we were standing there and in the backstage uh, preparing. We had just invited like 15 families and friends to see it before we went to Castlefest for the big first show. And uh, and standing there, everyone taking their regalia on. I tried my makeup for the first time with the stripes and and every everything and, and everything just looked so so real, right? It was yeah. just just like 
meant to be, and we haven't changed a thing. Or Kai has changed it, it, a couple. It, it evolves. Kai evolves. Yeah. yeah, it evolves. Yeah. It's such a striking thing. I think your headdress as well. It's it's not like many things that you you ever see or that I've seen before, especially with like the top half of your your head covered. It's you definitely take notice. Mm. I, I think there's something with with the the fact that that. Uh, you know the audience can't see uh, our eyes, but we can see theirs. There, there, there's something there. You know, there's also a little bit of safety there. I would say totally. that, that you mm. uh, even I don't have the the the, the fringes, but but I uh, painted black and standing without any light on, so I'm also kind of gone. Uh, but but uh, uh, um, I think uh, in a way it, it is very recognizable. But 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 I think what 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 is most important is all of it. Is personal, right? It's it is still you know this thing that that you carry with you, you know, from before and 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 amplify into something else. Um. Yeah, the especially that uh, that part, you know, the headdress uh, uh, is for sure something uh, really relevant. A lot of people uh, don't uh, uh, don't believe that it has actual reference to uh, to our place where we come from. Our history, but uh, like uh, there is one saga. I do not remember which one, but I know that it is in one of uh, Mr. Price's uh, publications. And there is um, a passage where the vulva asks her helper to bring uh, the hood or hat or something like that with the straps that she would need to do sight. You know? And of course, this you know when you when you search for uh, cross reference in, in different cultures, you will you will see you know. Starting from Siberia all all the way to the Amazon, you will see people who are working spiritually who have these straps covering uh, their eyes and like taking away half of their sight, which is uh, a key to to many things, you know. And um, when you ask these these people as well, what uh, why why do you do this? You know, they they will give you give you different answers. You know, one one of them is uh, one of them I I loved. Uh, I heard from a, a Siberian shaman, and he said uh, he wears it because he uh, it protects the evil spirits from uh, entering through his eyes. And we have a, we have that kind of stuff, you know, that like the thought that spirits enter through your body openings of all kinds. You know, we we're pretty sure that the Vikings had that as well, right? And um, in addition, like uh, the the antler, uh, the antlers that uh, people wear on the head, you know, like when you go to Siberia, for example, you see you see them made of metal uh, very often. But we have uh, findings from uh, the Stone Age. I do not remember uh, how how old she really is, but it is the lady from Duranberg, Germany. She was uh, she was buried uh, in the, I think it's a very early Stone Age. And she was buried with an antler headdress and she had uh, most probably a baby with her and her grave was, was filled completely with ochre instead of uh, instead of earth. So she she must have been a very special person. She had a deformation in the back of her in the back of her neck that most probably made her fell uh, unconscious whenever she started to do this. And then we have, I think, from Scotland. I don't remember the name now. There's also antler headdresses from real antlers, you know, so there's not really artificial made antlers but but people uh here in europe uh had uh, uh for sure regular antlers on their head well so so one thing i would say that, that you know, that's sort of like the is the undercurrent of what you're saying here is this idea of authenticity too um 
and and that's i mean we know that from the viking uh, scene that that's like a big discussion like is this authentically viking and blah 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 and you know sometimes you can get really tired <laughs> discussions. And, and i have to i have to say as as somebody who uh deals with the authentic side of things at least to an extent that's what i'm that's my job right uh authentic history um as a scholar uh, I I don't like at at this point I'm so sick of 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 like this this whole like talk about oh it has to be so and so authentic and so on like uh, this idea that you can't fill in gaps to create awesomeness yeah. of course yeah. you can <laughs> and of course you should right and like, thinking about the drums like yeah drums that they, they don't last that long in in graves usually they 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 they, they can pretty easily disappear in in a <laughs> in in archaeology right well it, it would be weird if that was the only corner of the planet where you didn't have drums because that is the case right i feel and hear very often that there's discussions going on about like viking age and drums yes or no and i'm, I'm always very surprised because there's a very very clear finding about it that, that in my world answers all the questions you know and that is that is a connection point that is uh, a sami uh, drumstick or at least you know in in, in sami fashion but it but it but it has uh, uh clearly like a, a very late uh, viking viking style uh, carvings on it you know so that means someone must have been rooted in two cultures or at least you know know, know it maybe maybe it was you know that daddy was a sami and mama was a viking whatever you know but we can clearly see there did that is in my world you know i'm not a scientist i'm an artist you know but in my world that is a clue <laughs> you know that someone that that had a clue enough from the viking culture you know or like you know, from the norse culture at the time to carve this thing you know and hit the drum you know so be, because that is the only uh, the only reason why these things exist that is a drumstick you know it's it's very clear mm-hmm. and um there's also that that brings us also to the to the to the uh, appropri- appropriation thing what what are we doing now you know suddenly there's there there's uh, there's an artifact that 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 carries the two cultures in it you know so who who owns it you know who can say this is my ornament you know who can say this is my shape of drumstick you know so and I think and does it matter? Yeah, that is that's what I'm what that's what I'm leading to here. Yeah. You know, I think it's it is really the point that we say, hey, come on, let's sit together, let let let's focus on what we share, not on what separates us, you know. Exactly. That's a, that's a beautiful point. Yeah, I agree. And, and yeah, no, this is a this is a big discussion, and there are, you know, there are certain positions that you can understand. Um, when we were seeing people who are being marginalized and and oppressed in different ways, right? And 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 you know, to to necessarily use um, items or music or or singing or, or or other cultural items that that associate with those peoples doesn't necessarily mean that you're taking something away from them. Uh, it can also be a negotiation and and, and interaction with them for instance here in uh, in the us we have um, an ongoing discussion about whether or not people who are sort of like into new pagan stuff and witchiness and all that stuff if they can if they're white that that if they can then use sage as something to burn uh in rituals because there are native americans who who have you know long-standing traditions using that it's an ongoing discussion and and you know i, I <laughs> it grows in my backyard 
And I have, I have been told by some people that, no, you can't go pick it because it's reserved for other people. And I'm like, it's an interesting way to, to look at this. <laughs> because it's a plant and who can claim ownership over a plant? Which yeah. is, exactly. also, of course, a bigger discussion with uh, marijuana, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the thing is, the thing is also like, so the fear is that you, someone like, like me, some white dude from Northern Europe would be appropriating a ritual. And that's nothing that I would ever do because I have my own, I have my own culture my own <laughs> so and i would say that you know using white sage for my own backyard and that's a way for me to connect with the land and nature around me there's <laughs> there are so many different you know levels in these t- conversations and it's i think it's important to be open to what people have to say in a in a reasonable way yeah i think i think the whole pers- the whole thing here is perspective very often i you know, I, I, I like you, I also really like to dive deep into my own history and see where did I come from? How did I end up like this? You know, but that is not to make me necessarily different or m- worth more than others. And oh, my culture is so much more important than others. No, actually, I think the further we dig back in time, we actually figure out how, you know, alike we are everywhere. And, 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 and I think that is, you know, to go completely inwards and really look into to the earth you're standing on. The further in you go, the you know, more open you become. You know, to other people. Absolutely, I think it's I think it's insane when people have that. They kind of like this is my culture. I'm only going to learn this and not learn anything else. It's it, it boggles my mind because it's there's so many wonderful things in the world. Why wouldn't you want to go out there and learn them and see them and appreciate them? It's like, you know, England has some beautiful places in it, but I still want to go out and see the rest of the world and appreciate it. I don't want to only ever go on holiday in England. It's it's like, why would you want to be like that? But unfortunately, I guess some people, some people are. And I think also it's important to bear in mind that we are living in modern times where new cultures are being created. I mean, the U.S. is a great example. There's so many cultures there who comes from all over the world and they're creating something new. And instead of trying to haunt like those two percent that comes from some uh, Viking in uh, <laughs> in Norway, try to see okay, who am I today, and what what do makes me feel alive? What makes my blood boil? Do I like the sound of this drum? Well, great, it's probably because I like the sound of this drum, not because I am uh, Viking ancestors. It's because uh, five percent uh, <laughs> of DNA from something. I have yeah. I have three uh, percent Irish in me I just found on Ancestry.com and so yeah so so I'm like totally down with St. Patrick's Day and all that stuff now Kai I wanted to pull it back something you you said before which I found really interesting um how you said how you're you're the artist and not the scientist uh, and I think artists sometimes get maybe pushed to the side or kind of not listened to sometimes whereas I you know, I, I create drinking horns for a living. I carve drinking horns. And I think that you, as an artist, you get a different perspective to things and understanding things that maybe somebody who just studies it out of a textbook doesn't get. And I think it's so important to listen to people like like you, like what you guys are doing with, with music and using, going back to the roots. You learn so much more through that, through doing and acting and, and feeling than you can learn from any artifacts, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, like, you know, I, I have, I've, I've seen a lot of things that, that I found uh, uh, quite interesting. For example, uh, uh, there was once a, a, a language uh, scientist, and he was uh, talking about uh, the, uh, the languages being used. And um, but although he was a scientist in these these things, whenever it came to an actual uh, 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 proto-Germanic word or however you want to call it, I don't know, you know. He, he did. He didn't. He didn't say the word, you know. He didn't. He didn't dare to actually speak, speak that language, right? And I think, like, uh, especially for us, uh, when we, when we go and like search for rhythms and everything, the moment we speak it, we hear mm. that there is a rhythm inside of it. And and the, mm. when, when you when you only study it uh, the theoretically, of course, you, you see a lot of patterns and everything, and you can say a lot of things about it that we never could, you know. But the actual feeling of it, you know, the vibration of it, you know, when you really repeat that pattern all the time, that is that is something that is really a great gift. I consider it a great gift as well. Absolutely, and that that actually brings me on to a point that I want to bring to bring to Matthias. And I'm glad you guys are here because we could be making history. Because I feel like I'm about to change the history we know of oh, Vikings. It's wow. um, <laughs> a big claim. No, um, so one thing I, I was thinking when I was in the workshop that I kind of touched it to you before, but I want to ask you about it properly. That was when I'm when I'm carving horn. For some reason, I always use younger fudark, and I guess in one degree it's because it's the more accurate because it was used in the Viking Age. And, but I, I even when people request me to do anything in in the Elder, I always dislike it, and I, I got thinking as to why that was, and I quickly realized that when when I was carving in the horn, there's a lot of runes in the Elder for that that have small little pieces that used to, that would be common to chipping off. So things like the D or the M, I think it's the E maybe. Like it has little pieces that always used to fall out, and I'd have to like struggle to maybe try glue them back in. Whereas with the younger, those pieces just don't seem to exist. Even though you get some curved runes, like these little isolated bits that could fall off, just aren't there. And I wondered if there was anything to that as to why we saw that shift from... Because obviously it wasn't written down on paper. I think that is a good question Matthias. for Matthias. Yeah. <laughs> I have no... I told you you were going to... You, you may witness history. <laughs> so so I, I want to start um, um, this long speech uh, by <laughs> first saying... We haven't had one yet, so... <laughs> My first thing, like the the lived experience of, uh, and this goes for like carving a horn, putting runes in it, um, and and for like singing the languages and so on, uh, is is actually an incredibly important uh, piece of a puzzle of, of of knowledge about the past in general, that a lot of scholars uh, have hitherto uh, ignored in different ways or toned down. And some are becoming a little more savvy to it nowadays, but we could still, you know, we could go pretty far still with like really uh, trying to understand what life was like back in some past. It, it doesn't have to be the Viking Age. It could be like the Stone Age for that matter. Um, in, in all those little minutiae that uh, that we wouldn't really think about right and this is something to do with the way that we think about history in general like history the way that if you you know just in in 
primary school, the way that it's taught to you is like these broad lines of like, there was a king over here and then there was a battle over there and that's pretty much it, right? It's like that, that's, that's not really like everyday stuff that people uh, have feelings with um, and interactions with and so on. So, so when, when somebody goes and does something like what you do then by like, you know, trying to carve horns or when they go and, you know, turn this dead language into music and sound like you guys are doing in Heilong, uh, we are slowly getting closer to a better understanding, even if it's not authentic, even if you are using a Dremel tool, even if you have an amplifier and 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 a, uh, recorded sounds and so on and, and all that stuff, we're still, uh, we still have the possibility of nothing else to actually understand aspects of of that past and like one thing for instance when it comes to like we've talked about this already um uh, a little bit like like how do you pronounce these words properly or what does does it have to sound like right when it comes to old norse as it is called which is the language that existed from 1100 to 1500 has nothing to do with the viking age some people think so though um <laughs> in in the North Atlantic, in, in Iceland, Faroe Islands, Shetland, Orkney, uh, parts of the Hebrides, and of course Norway, um, that language, right? There are two theories. There's the Norwegian theory and the Icelandic theory. Or the Icelandic theory is not a theory as much as it's just like we're going to pronounce it in Icelandic. Um, and then you have the Norwegian theory, which is the, the oh we, uh, we we try to reconstruct based off of I think it's the first grammatical treatise that was written in 1100 and something something, and and then you have some uh, some dude who's like oh well I am only going to pronounce it in this way, and that's supposed to be some kind of special, like come on we're living in a modern time. Let's try to use these uh, if we're using the language in a in a modern uh, context. Let's use our, our modern ways of speaking, right? That's why I think it's so awesome, uh, uh, Maria, when you're singing in, in, in your Norwegian dialect, when you're, when you're using that to pronounce uh, these, uh, these words. I think that's fucking great. Like, <laughs> make, it, make the history live again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? And it feels very much alive and very connected to, to myself uh, when, when we do it that way. And I think that must be the 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 best way of of living history and it's also important also to note that we are not at all working with viking age as a theme although it's very very tempting for anyone who talks about us to say that we play viking mm -hmm. music <laughs> because it's kind of this shelf where you can put us comfortably for yeah, we, we only else. play on, on nuns and monks and whatever you know as slapping <laughs> <laughs> Slapping non-asses, <laughs> that is our instrument. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and our art, artwork is tapestry from, uh, from France or something. Uh, I don't know. We went 40 minutes without like a fetish reference. There. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you brought it back with the... Back uh, to it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can, you can approach this subject in two ways, right? You can either go out with a book or something and say, come on, everyone, sing along, you know? Or you can hope that, that, that you have an impact with it in other ways that that make people want to learn you know mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i don't know exactly how they they probably uh, uh, have been been pronouncing this language right that that is written on that particular stone and i think no one can claim that we can have many theories and whatever but how does it feel mm. that that for me is, is, is the most important part of it and mm. you know i just want to put a short story in here that that i that i really 
find valuable because I think everyone can claim this feeling that I'm talking about, you know, to their own, right? And and and, and I remember one time I was not very old when we were doing like a ritual, and, and I probably if you took a picture of that, it's in the 90s, you know, people that was dressing up as Vikings at that time would be very different from how they dress up today because there's even like a fashion within that, I guess, through the years that even with the haircuts and everything that you see in Vikings, you know, no one had these cool haircuts in the 90s, you know, that's for sure. No one dared to have tattoos in the faces also. But whatever, uh, at least from what I saw. Uh, but but what I mean is, is um, uh, you know, we were doing this, uh, this uh, bloat type thing uh, probably very unauthentic, but it felt right at the time. Uh, and and we had the local mayor uh, that was participating in this ritual, and he was very nervous. So when he, the time for him to raise the horn and uh, and and heal some of the the the, the, the gods or whatever, his voice came out very squeaky, you know. And they, this was in uh, in Moskard uh, in Denmark. And 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 as he raised the horn and 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 very like 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 nervously shouted Odin, uh, oh no, sorry, uh, Thor. Like a giant lightning, you know, entered from the sky into the sea, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, nice. like, you know, and and, uh, and he completely like, like, like he stayed for the party and he drank all night and had talked about this epiphany thing, feeling he got, you know, all day and like, like he really saw the gods that day, right? And I think that that feeling, you know. It we uh, maybe a little bit extreme to bring that for a show every time. I guess you could do that with a Tesla thingy or whatever. <laughs> but 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 but, but uh, I mean, my point is that that you can make this feeling your own, right? And and you can try and 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 make the best out of it. And 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 I think also it's good to have different eyes on on one subject mm. anyway. Mm. And and if whatever I do can inspire, you know, someone like you that knows a lot more than me on, on things to do something else that that is amazing yeah. and 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 that is how everything should be connected mm -hmm. absolutely i think people everybody should be willing to come together and have a conversation and figure things out i always wonder how much more could we know if everybody's willing to share what they know with others and just speak about it and figure out because so many people do their little bit of work and put their blinkers on and and look one way and it's their way and and that's it when there's so many other interesting ideas going on if everybody just came together and uh, i feel like we could learn so much more i come from the 90s i come from uh, i have a completely different spirituality a spirituality that that would that was you know like so that we, we received especially at that time so many gifts you know from from people that that came from america that came from siberia that came from south america you know and they they were openly like given their given their secrets away, you know, like teaching us uh, white people, you know, like their their old ways and be very, very friendly, very open, very healing, you know. And I learned a lot of things, you know, like, for example, when you go around in uh, in Scandinavia, you will find very often a thing that we call the sun cross or the, the ring cross. Right. So I knew that as, as a child already. We have that here where where I come from. So very quick, I learned, OK. That is, that is that is also available in, uh, uh, in America, but they still know what it means, you know. So the moment I was over there and I had the chance, I walked up to someone and I said, "Hey, that cross, what does that mean?" You know, the cross in the ring. And of course, you know, they they have it very often in these four beautiful colors, right? You know, the black, white, red, and yellow. And uh, he he said to me, "Yeah, that's very easy. Uh, um, it might be in your culture a sun cross, in our culture it's an earth cross, and it symbolizes the four, the four color of the people and that they need to work together." The black people, the yellow people, the white people, and the red people. 
That was what he said. Oh. And I love that. Oh, I beautiful. really love that. And oh. that I carry that in my heart since since then. You know, I was mm-hmm. I was in the beginning of my twenties when when I heard that, you know, and that was a really, really great gift, you know, like mm. that that I got with these couple of words, you know. Mm. And also the, uh, the the contrary meaning of it was very interesting, you know, like uh, uh also like uh for example on my hands you will see things that uh for for people from greenland they uh they will they will see uh, a whale tail in it while it is also at the same time a rune for fire you know so that is that is again you know we share it we share that treasure you know we share that treasure of symbolism and it means something different maybe you know but it is in the same symbol and that that is why why in my opinion it is really necessary for us to come together look at the different facets of things you know and uh yeah like make it make it worthwhile Absolutely. being here I, on I, I think there's so much that transcends culture i, I remember um it was like a, you know one of those facebook friends that you pick up over time that you kind of know but you don't really know um and he he posted some traditional sort of haitian artwork and it was so reminiscent and striking of, of icelandic staves and kind of the line work and the way that it was, the composition of it and the way it was made up. And I couldn't help but message him and, said, and, and send him some pictures. And you could see, whilst they were clearly different, there was such a, a similarity between the two as well that it was it was kind of, you made you want to learn more and maybe try and understand as to how this, how it came about, that they were from so such far, you know, so far away, but also so similar. And that brings us back to the question that you raised um then so so why did did somebody possibly in the danish area in the 700 be like well let's get rid of eight letters in our writing system because <laughs> that's what <laughs> happened like, <laughs> and then some english guys walked out of the room and said no we're making more exactly. signs instead of less. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the I way, you weren't answering because you didn't want to embarrass me. No, 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 no. So you're like, he's wrong. <laughs> no, we, so, so I'll tell him off air. And that's that's another that's another thing with those English guys because, like, when you like those the so-called English futhork, right? You know what? The most most versions of it exist in German manuscripts. So I'm like, why do you call it English, guys? Like <laughs> it's, it's mostly in German manuscripts. <laughs> anyway, so okay. Um, so what what we know about like the historical situation is that at some point during the 700s, it possibly in like the Danish area, uh, it's basically like let's get rid of these eight letters and then just start using 16 letters instead. And what we can see is on like in in the inscriptions is that it actually becomes harder. To, to actually write in <laughs> sort of the, the language. And we see, um, we see uh, uh, cases where there, there's, there's very obviously like some spelling errors that are being produced uh, because of this as well. So there's, there's something going on here. Uh, aside from getting rid of these eight letters, they also decide that um, we're going to, uh, when we have two consonants together, like MK or ML or something like that, we're just going to write one of them. Because yeah. why the fuck not? So so that means that, you know, for instance, sometimes there's just an M. Um, and this, when you're trying to decipher that, you you have to like guess. That, that's what happens. Sometimes it's easy 
like Harold Bluetooth's runestone and yelling is so easy to read, but others can get like really, really hairy. Um, and so, and, and a lot of the, the reason for that is, is of course that they got rid of those letters, but, um, so Daniel, what you're proposing is that they got rid of those letters because, um, basically what we see is that, especially with horn and wood, when you carve an, an M in the old, uh, things uh, that chip, like yeah, the way chip you off. get past the chip out. Yeah, exactly. Especially like um, in in that uh, triangular shape, um, the in the middle of that that will fall off, right? That's it, because you're you're isolating that yeah from the rest. Whereas with other than I think maybe like the B with younger for that. Other than that, everything else keeps its integrity with the rest of the piece. Whereas with the the others, you get those little triangular pieces that fucking fall out and are a pain <laughs> so 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 a couple of things that we can see historically happening in this period are also the fact that rune stones become more popular like they uh, so the the first phase of rune stones is called the danish phase that's up until the the year thousand like so through the viking age until the year thousand and then after that it's called the swedish phase and that's where we see all these awesome swedish rune stones um so many of them are actually christian and um um and it looks like the idea of putting up these monuments or or not the idea of putting up the monuments because we have rune stones from before you know increased interaction across the channel and the north sea to to the british isles but the idea that this is something cool to do that we should all be doing uh in scandinavia this idea that putting up these rune stones it looks like that actually comes from influence from the British Isles. Like monumentalism in the British Isles is what inspires Scandinavians to start putting up these stones everywhere. And we see sort of, we can sort of deduce a pattern that is like, uh, it starts with like kings and magnates and then slowly what you start seeing through the Viking age and onwards is, is that, you know, the sort of quote unquote middle class start doing it too, right? You have freed slaves who are doing it. You have uh, all kinds of people all of a sudden doing it. And this is the same uh, type of development that we also see with like grave monuments. Go to Lindholm Hoye in Northern Denmark, the largest Viking burial site in the world. And you'll see what is basically like middle-class stone ship settings, right? So they're basically starting to like copy. They, they, they have enough money that they can copy what the, the, the big dogs were doing a couple of centuries earlier, that kind of stuff. Um, so what all this boils down to when it comes to like carving runes is that you probably have to carve runes faster, right? And so that could be a support for your theory here, because all I'm hearing is I'm right. That's literally all I'm hearing. <laughs> no, the, the, think about it, right? You have you have a situation where more and more people are using runes. More and more people have access to runes. When we get into the uh, the, the, the 1200s and 1300s, what it looks like in a place like Bergen in Norway is that everybody knows runes, right? All those little carvings, like you bring home milk, you're a dick, those kinds of things that they write in runes, right? So there's an explosion, right? And 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 it makes sense 
to consider that that yeah they might actually uh, simplify the letters as well as you know um, get rid of some that are considered whatever kind of like BOT who cares uh, that kind of stuff and then then simply for uh, the purpose of of making it easier and quicker to carve a runestone and to carve something in in wood um, without it chipping and it becoming difficult whether to see whether or not it's a B or F or K or J or whatever. Like so, yeah, I actually think that that it is a plausible theory. I just want to say that that uh, um, I heard this theory before uh, from my own father. Ah. <sighs> Ah, uh, someone got there before me. No, my my father is, is both like an acting godi uh, within the Danish uh, um, beliefs of of the old gods and all that. But he's also a stone carver, and he he did some uh, runestones in the in the Borough Park from where uh, Maria is from. Uh, and he also said that that you know that that the fact that 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 becomes less runes is also the words get shorter and you know imagine this situation like you having where you just made the perfect runic thing in in horn you know and then the last letter you know a rune sorry the, it, it 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 falls off imagine now that this is a stone that you cannot carry you know exactly. that sucks really you know oh, you, can't, <laughs> you can't just stick you it know? back on as well <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like, oh, I need, need a new one, uh, and uh, can you carry it for me? You know. <laughs> so, so uh, I think definitely there's something there, and it makes perfect sense. I mean, you want you you even see it in the Danish language. You have all these people now, uh, you know, saying that it sounds like like speaking with a hot potato in your throat or something. Uh, uh, and and I guess it's because at some point we just figured out we don't want to pronounce anything of the things we're writing. So, so it's just because I or whatever, you know, uh, which means refrigerator. No, just kidding. But, uh, but uh, 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 anyway, uh, I think you know, boredom or what, or, 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 or something, you know, laziness is a good way. You know, you see things evolving. Right? Uh, that's that's definitely laziness, but also perhaps um, it's funny to, to consider that. Maybe the uh, the purpose of the the evolution of the the, the futhark back in Denmark in the 700s was to make it easier, right? To to use it. In the same way, now we're seeing the Danish language <laughs> just becoming incomprehensible because we tried to make it easier to use it. <laughs> I, I think some things never change, and that's when we when we think about whether it's us now or you know Vikings a thousand years ago we're still all humans and we still do very similar things. And if we can make it easier, we're going to make it easier. And like, you know, where my, my accent, we cut out so many letters. Like I don't pronounce my H most of the time. Mm -hmm. And we don't even understand when you say H, we don't understand <laughs> that that's an H. H, H. That's, well, that's an A, like, it's a H. I feel like, I feel so weird pronouncing it like a H. <laughs> That's Daniel, are you really, really sick of people saying that you are, come from wildling territory? Oh, no. <laughs> no, um, not too much. I don't mind. I quite like the uh, the wildlings. But you do kind of get the you-know-nothing Jon Snow. Like that. Oh, yeah. That. <laughs> That's very much the accent. It, I mean... <laughs> That's how we were always kind of set up in in the in the north. It's always kind of like the very sim like not the simple, but the very much like ordinary folk. 
that's how we're always kind of portraying everything. And it's usually by Sean Bean. That's weird, huh? How modern popular popular culture can kind of just take a whole dialect and just claim it for 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 its fantasy. Uh... I mean, to be fair, there is some truth behind it as well. Like around these parties, very much a working class, a kind of thriving or was at least like a thriving heart when it comes to that that working class and 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 very much ordinary people. And we're all known for being tight. We're just they like to share things or share money or that kind of stuff. <laughs> so there is there is some truth behind so it. So no tipping up there, huh? <laughs> we don't tip in England anyway. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about it's that. A, it's, it's a very weird thing. <laughs> it is. It's a it's a eating out tax in America. You just you just know you pay twenty percent extra. <laughs> Did, is tipping a thing in Europe? I'm not. Yeah, places. yeah, it is. Uh... I mean, I, I. I if somebody's gone above and beyond, I will tip. But I know, obviously, in, in America, my sister lives in Canada. And so when I went out to see her, my sister's always like, look, if you're going to come back here, leave a good tip because they will remember you and you will get shitty service if you do not. They will spit in your burger, my yeah. friend. <laughs> so you got you got to look after people. But I think equally, hopefully, I, I feel like we maybe pay them a little bit more over here so they That's, don't that is a thing. rely on tips maria you were saying where, where do they tip in europe nowadays i worked as a bartender for many years so uh, both in norway and in denmark and in norway it's very customary to tip at least 10 percent and in denmark in at vega for instance which is one of the biggest uh, venues in copenhagen not really at all because also the prices were super stiff but uh, then in a smaller restaurant, yes, you would expect it. So it's... But it's not the same. I would think, I, no. you know, you know the, in general, the fee is also higher here. So yeah. so, so it's kind of included a lot of times. You also see that mm-hmm. at other places in, in Europe where the service is included kind of thing. I thought it was like a, a, for like tourist places, that's where you tip usually. Like I, so it's, Sometimes in restaurants, they'll have it like on the bottom of the receipt. It'll say like 10% service charges. Included and they just they just put it on the bill already, so you can't get out of it. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, like yeah. how we went from Game of Thrones in the north to Tibet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's I, love it. I love it. I love it. I really love it. But I really like 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 like. But but like I just want to say a little bit of the language thing. Uh, it's just that uh, you know. It's uh, it must be really difficult to to do these movies with like you know because it can either be super cringing or or super funny at the same time like 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 these two different Viking shows that came out of uh, around the same time you had the like the Norwegian no, no Norwegian comic version of Viking it Anna. Yeah. yeah and then you have uh, the the Viking History Channel thing you know and in the Viking History they all talk like this. And 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 then you have the Norwegians, you know, in the other Where one. Where you speak a little bit more like a, with you know. a very very broad uh, Norwegian accent. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, uh... <laughs> well, that's it. Like, like, when 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 um, Christopher and Maria, when you both start talking, it reminded me of Norseman, the program that was on yeah, Netflix. That's the one I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, so, so right. the, yeah, exactly. But but guess which one we think is cringy, right? Viking Viking's the TV <laughs> show, of course. <laughs> <laughs> because because you know. Uh, first of all, you wouldn't expect mountains in, in, in Denmark at all. But also, that I would really have loved them to sound really Danish because this thing about being Danish is probably very different at the time. I wouldn't know. But but one thing, as you can probably hear when I'm speaking, is it's impossible to hide that you're Danish, right? Uh, when you're speaking. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, th- I think that would be the same at that time. 
you know, and 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 uh, uh, you know, no matter how hard you try. So so uh, yeah, uh, and and yeah, I think I think it's it, you know how how you know you see in, in in popular culture how you know things are shaped to to be cool of the time, how how it changes even the way they speak, how they act, how mystic they are, and whatever. I mean, I m- I must say as a Dane, I'm just butthurt that it's always about Norway. So yeah. <laughs> no, me too. Me too. The most powerful Viking country ever doesn't doesn't get mentioned because it's too flat. It's boring. yeah, it's too flat. It was boring. It was like it was like it, it it was like the fucking powerhouse of the Viking Age, but it was way too boring to actually talk about. <laughs> it, it must be because of the dialect; they would never be able to do it. You know, that, uh, uh, I must say one thing about the Danish language, though. Like, actually. Most of of the weirdness that has happened to that language has happened over the last hundred years, or like just recordings from the fifties, and, and they're much easier to understand. Like we fucked up, guys. Like we seriously fucked up over the last thirty years. I would say that it's our parents, but <laughs> because when you hear recordings of our parents, they sound completely different than they do today. You know. So it, in the beginning and and now it's <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah. but i mean uh, uh, one of the first recordings i've been, been very interesting that they, they they have like this recordings from the beginning of the 1900s oh, in yeah. in denmark and and they have a particular one recording of a farmer girl that is uh, singing like a, a song uh, there and 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 um, um, what is really interesting about it, I think it's I think it's some Australian guy and an, an American or something that's traveling around Denmark capturing these uh, recordings. Of, on Valsa. Of, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's on a, a, a record called Visa for Valsa, which is like like these old Edif- Edison uh, uh, roll things. They, they wax recorded. rolls. Wax rolls. Where you record, and yeah, and basically, recording. it's like 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 the recording technique is you use the same thing as as you would for the speaker. So you 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 you're basically just screaming into a thing to to, to make it loud enough. But anyway, you can hear how they sing on the consonants, uh, and and that is so interesting because we 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 the idea of putting rhythms on on consonants is is a very Scandinavian thing in how we create folk music and how we. We we find even the the, the rhymes in, in in poetry and all that right it, 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 and and not on on the the vowels as much as 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 you see in other languages and 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 what I want to say about it is is at that time when we didn't have you know uh, uh, recorded media as much before because it's the first time they did it in the country uh, uh, um, the only way to preserve Sound uh, songs would be to, by 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 tradition by by singing it uh, you know for for your offspring or whatever uh, um, and and therefore my, many of these releases recorded you know in in in, in the early 1900s is probably all the way back to the medieval times and and, and there we have a unique uh, possibility and glimpse into to how we maybe spoke I guess uh, I, I wouldn't know but I'm not a scientist but but. It, it, it feels a lot more singing that that is that is uh, like like Dan- Danish has becoming this like like you hear also in Dutch I guess this very flat and monotone language and 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 you don't hear many uh, variation in, in, in intonation when we are, when we are speaking and and that even goes into how we are making music these days but that's another story but anyway uh, 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 at that time you you see 
a lot of singing similar to 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 what you would see, I guess, in in, in some sort of German in Switzerland or, or whatever, and but also in Norway today, the way they're singing, uh, but but kind of mixed with the South uh, South Danish of today, or even Bornholmian. So 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 it's really interesting uh, uh, how fast it actually uh, evolves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, I think we've been going a little while now. Have you guys got a little bit of time just to answer some questions from from people watching? Um, we've got a few. Um, let me scroll up and see. So I'll start with the first one. Um, so, how much of your lyrics come from runic inscriptions, um, or do you kind of have your own put your your own input there and kind of twist it and and add to it? I guess. It's like in percentage, what what is really uh, what we really took from runic inscriptions is really hard for me to say. And like you know, I'm also like I'm really happy that you write the article because you will you will probably do my homework backwards because I, as an artist, I I don't really do all these like cross links and I took this from there and this from there. You know, I just go through the material and I take out what I what I need. You know, I read different translations from different people and like you know make it make it match to my best knowledge and uh, and research and then I, then I forget forget about all this you know and then you know science, uh, people that approach the whole thing from the scientific side they make these like painstaking notes all the time that are for me very valuable when i read scientific publications but i really suck it <laughs> so <laughs> that's why i can't really answer that that question too okay the next one is um i guess can you talk about your next album um i'm not sure how much you can can or can't say how much you want to keep under wraps don't don't say anything you don't want to say so so what we're doing here because we have a little bit extra time is 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 slowly growing into a very big piece that is what i can say okay Uh, and and of course we're working on something we are working on multiple things uh that that uh, is is both moving forward in in terms of amplifying history so so in terms of 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 combining sources and combining traditions and and, and areas even times uh, and all that but we also so looking backwards to what we really wanted to do in the very beginning when everything was just dreaming and and everything was uh, something that 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 you know we we will we never thought would happen anyway because now we all of a sudden have the possibility of doing so, and 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 uh, so so we we are really again going really deep into ourselves in, in in our own bubble here, and 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 I think we are really getting somewhere. So so I'm 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 really happy of where we're going here, and 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 it's very beautiful what is happening. But it's also like a really soul cleansing type thing, you know. It feels like like we. We we have got gotten some scars, you know, from 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 trying out this very personal thing in the public, uh, and 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 like like we are healing ourselves somehow uh, uh, here together, and and one some days, you know, the, if the coffee machine is not working or something, when you just when when you just bought it for for it's only costed uh, I don't know two thousand dollars or something for a coffee machine, maybe it should work more than a couple of weeks. I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> uh, 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 anyway, the point is, 
one day you know you you are, you are very frustrated about something or uh, very sad or another day you are very happy that you achieved something and, and all these feelings is very real and and and, and something we are really playing with here is, is our own emotions I think and 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 really like taking the human part of of what we're doing where where I think in in many ways Ofnia and 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 Fuda is both you know on an artistic level a perspective of a man and a woman uh, not not into maybe all the details but more like a a visualization of it and 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 this is definitely a, a visualization on on being human i think mm. and 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 what it is within the yourself yeah and it, you know that it's not everything is not you know everything is not happy or everything is not being super angry all the time and and war and all that but it's like a some sort of weird mixture uh, of, of all these things that, that we all have inside of us. It's complicated. It's, it's complicated. very complicated. That's so, it. so yeah, we are working on something new, and uh, uh, we never we don't know when it will be done. <laughs> it's done when it's done. <laughs> it's done when it's That's done. It. Well said. Um, okay, we've got two more. One is how long does it take to put on the costumes before show? How long what? To put on the costumes, how long it takes. That, that is yours, Maria. Well, yeah, I guess so, because uh, I'm the most complicated <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, well, so, yeah, thanks for the question. And uh, I'm uh, very, very lucky to have a, a super good helper in uh, Anike Sharain, which is a makeup artist and also a, a costume maker. So she uh, she has super skills in, uh, in putting on all things. So it takes me about... If we if we hurried, it would take an hour, but uh, we don't hurry. It's quite a while then. Yeah, but still, you know, it's uh, it's quite some steps in it, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, the whole uh, the whole face paint takes takes a little time. I would say it takes longer to get it off after the U.S. tour. Uh, one of the warriors uh, proclaimed that she had dark nails that had to grow out before they got white again <laughs> oh yeah so for them it also how long time does the warrior use for their the warriors yeah. they, they also use use quite a while yeah. I, I think i think when maria says an uh an hour that is uh you know for for most of us uh, realistic although you know like for, for me for example i i'm very free you know sometimes i i even have the freedom to go out without body paint you know and, um but on the stage you mean yeah. on the on the stage yeah, yeah on yeah. the stage but uh you know i'm in in the preparation for for a gig i'm i'm basically there for everyone you know like i paid paint uh, one of the girls gets uh, face painted by me and uh sometimes i assist the warriors to uh, uh, apply some stuff you know and you know there is a stitch that needs to be done here you know, like uh, one one of the warriors needed needed uh, 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 or needs a uh, bondage uh, time uh, before every show because he he dislocated his arm several times and even when he moves it he dislocates it. You know, so and, and I that that also takes like twenty minutes, half an hour to give him the wrapping with the rope and like attach the antler that his arm really sits tight and everything. And the but I think like every everyone gets quite a bit of attention before a show yeah and it's a fun uh, it's a fun uh, and hectic and uh, very many laughs and uh, it's a, it's a, such a good group it's the atmosphere is amazing backstage uh, both before and after uh, the performance people are just running around in each other's uh, wardrobes uh, being silly 
and uh, yeah, it's, it's we been... put the war back in wardrobe. <laughs> 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 I, I, I really have like like this picture of 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 these monkeys sitting in in you know these monkeys that sits in the lake you know and 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 and, and take out small animals from the bird you know that that's kind of how it feels. That is also group. what it looks like. I mean, having experienced you guys oh, yeah, backstage, yeah, everyone is covering each other yeah. somehow <laughs> with lots of donuts for some reason. <laughs> oh my god. Oh no, no my I, I really that uh, oh my god. You know, I like like it was like tossing in candy, you know, in a, in a kindergarten or something. <laughs> Everyone became totally sugar, sugar high. high. <laughs> you know, it was you know, oh. I I developed a belly, a really big belly, but it Don't had a, gi a giant hole in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to be backstage at a Highland concert with donuts. Yeah. <laughs> If you like donuts, you gotta come backstage, Hilo, but only in America because in Europe we don't do that. I'm uh, actually thinking on, on, on putting some restrictions on the sugar. <laughs> <and say, Yeah. laughs> no donuts. But I like, like the donut wiping. Well, I mean, part of the backstory for that is also that, you know, down in Denver, they have this really awesome donut shop called Voodoo Donuts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, one of the guys, you know, he, he brought back a donut in fucking cock shape from that shop <laughs> like a special present for me and i'm like what, what is this did you really like, and yeah. why <laughs> why not man <laughs> and why not <laughs> i feel like there's been a theme in this episode <laughs> no, it, it, it's because it's spring you know yeah. <laughs> okay last last question um i think matt's gonna pop his camera on and ask it in person um there we go Hi, Matt. Hello. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining us uh, today. Um, I'm a I'm an opera singer by trade, and I'm fascinated by you know throat singing, and I would love to hear about your approaches to to this this very different from a Western classical style. This different type uh, type of singing. I would love to hear you guys talk about it a little more. I think for for thank you for the question. It's really a good question. So. Um, First of all, uh, I would not say that what we do would be equal to to other types of throating, as you see in in, in uh, uh, Siberia and Mongolia and all that. Even though, of course, it has has some similarities, but but um, what we do here is is it, 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 I believe there's there's a, there's a saying that 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 at one time that that um, someone that described how how we we sounded in in in, uh, in the north was like like barrels falling down of a hill and uh, howling uh, dogs or something like that and, yeah, yeah, well, it is, but, yeah. and i think you know it's it's about to find that place in 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 your throat where it's between the place where it really destroys you uh, your, your your vocal cords and where it feels nice and that that is a very narrow area uh, but it, it can manifest itself in many different ways uh, and 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 you can find like 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 for instance the way Kai Kai does his throat singing, which is amazing, is it, very different from the way I do it. Uh, and, and so so it's about about finding your place. There's also the idea that like like when a cat purrs, you know, it it, it kind of self heals somehow. And 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 there are definitely an element to that. Uh, I think in in in, in throat singing, uh, I think also. Um, it, it, of course, it's different from classical music uh, in in many ways. What we do, uh, and that is not only the the vocal techniques. The very fact that we don't sing in in um, in 440 hertz as you would do in 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 modern music, 
uh, are even higher in in some classical uh, pieces. Uh, we we are uh, at least down on on four hundred and thirty three or something like that, uh, and and we don't have progressions uh, like chord progressions as as you would, uh, so we wouldn't be able to do the same resonating things. And the, the, this whole thing comes out of the the idea that 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 if you, for instance, take a flute, uh, you have certain types of overtones that you know of. And you know, uh, if you're classical trained, that these ones is never in tune with the actual notes that you're supposed to play because it doesn't add up. But that's because nature notes have, you know, nature doesn't care what we think, really. So that's what we play with. We play with the nature overtones. And that, to, to some ear, maybe sound a bit out of tune, but, but uh, it does sound in tune in what we do. Uh, and in throat singing specifically, you have the possibility to play with these overtones. Uh, so, so it's not only about the move and the deep part of it, but it's also about creating a resonating point in the higher region that will always be perfectly in tune with nature. If I may, if I may follow up, I think there's you might be a little more uh, closer to classical training than you think, because there's there is a lot of that overtones, at least with uh, at least with uh, uh, classical tenors. There's with in the especially in the uh, the soft palate portion. I'm not referring to to singing techniques uh, uh, because I'm classical trained myself. <laughs> but but uh, uh, but but uh, I'm I'm not talking about the fact that of course every resonator uh, resonates in an in a, in natural harmonics. Of course they do. Uh, is that is not no different. But but uh, let me take the example of using a piano or the 88 different instruments that can tune in one note. Uh, uh, that we refer to as a piano will be always tuned tempered, basically. So, so, so there can be different ways to achieve this, but, but, but the 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 point is that it will never add completely up to nature harmonics, right? So we have to 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 play a little bit with it. And the only thing I'm talking about here is, of course, we have you know uh, fundamental notes and overtones and everything, but it, you can you can really play with it. Doing throat singing, and I think that that is uh, you can also do it in other techniques. Like like Maria uh, uh, definitely knows uh, different kinds of ways to achieve that also, and you can even do this very high resonating stuff like like you hear in cooling, for instance, these heard calls, and so there are different ways to achieve it. But but I think it's the it's it's the play with mimicking nature, and I think that is the fundamental of what we're trying to achieve here, more than calling it. A specific uh, uh, throat singing from somewhere, but of course we 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 learn from what we can hear around us. No, thank you. That was a thank you. Uh, Sorry, was that a good good answer? I loved it. I, I can talk it. more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I feel like I had no idea what you just said, but I found it really interesting at the same time. <laughs> Like it was, it's basically it was, like carving runes in a horn. It's just different. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And, yeah, let's wrap this up. This has been fun. I really enjoyed it. And you guys are welcome back anytime, especially when you uh, get around to releasing that album, whenever it is. Cool, man. Nice. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, this has been really good fun. I've had a, I've had a good laugh. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Perfect. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you guys want to give any plugs out or shout out where people can find you individually, follow you. Uh, no, please don't. 
No, no, don't, don't follow <laughs> don't us. Find us. You know, you, you cannot, you cannot find us. Do not follow any wings, especially not the ones from Horns of Odin. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's all doomed anyway. You know, the, the volcano is breaking out in Iceland, and at the same time in Italy, just forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what an end! We're all doomed. No, no way. We, uh, yeah, and and um, yeah, just also want to say. Thank you to you guys for for what you do. Yeah, because uh, it's been really interesting also to to hear some of the podcasts you have been doing with some of our band members. Mm-hmm. Also, we've been loving to hear that and really like your perspective on anything. So, so mm-hmm. we are very honored to to be here talking with you guys. Also, thank, thank you very you. much. I think I think Emily Lorenzen is one of my favorite episodes we've had. <laughs> like, I really enjoyed that. Because she and I were talking yeah, shit yeah. in Danish about you. <laughs> I mean, that's probably what it was. I still have no idea what you said about me. But I don't mind. She's hilarious. It's uh, yeah, such a such a cool person, and I also I really enjoyed that episode a lot. Yeah, yeah there was a there was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, thank you, thank you very much, um, Matthias. Where can everybody find you? You can find me on Instagram by my name Matthias Norvig. There you go. Boom. There you go. I'll do the. The hard work, I guess. <laughs> if you if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review. Um, iTunes or Apple Podcast is the best place to do it. Helps the helps people find us. Helps us bump up the the ratings. Um, we just hit a hundred patrons, which we are, which means me and Mateus are now going to start our new show where we break down Vikings TV series episode by episode, <laughs> one episode a week. We're going to tell you what we like, what we don't like. We're gonna ridicule it, but also, you know, it is it is a good good fun as well. Um, people will be invited to watch along with that. I'm so much uh, looking forward fun. to that. It's gonna be hilarious. Oh, yeah, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> Me too. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll get special guests on each episode as well. So if you guys ever want to join us individually all together, we can watch an episode and let people know what you think of it. Um, I, okay, you, you watch it together. Yeah? yeah. So we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna like a reaction video. Effectively, yeah. So we're gonna watch watch it up. Either we're gonna get it up on on here and stream it, or we will let people know when we're gonna start it, so everyone can watch it at the same time. Um, so they can watch the the episode, but also me and Matthias are gonna give our opinions on it. And obviously, Matthias will let us know what's accurate or not. Um, so yeah, it should be should be good fun. Because I know, even you know, jokes aside, watching the show, I think there's a lot that I've always wanted to to know whether it was real or not and and what was accurate and what wasn't because obviously there must be some in there that's that's true can't all be fiction just love that the town is called Kattegat you know that's fantastic it's just fantastic I think you should join watching an episode oh here we go to my hometown the North Sea (laughs) fantastic Do 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 you guys know where the word comes from Kattegat? No, the only thing I know is in Dutch it means cat shit or something. Cat asshole. It means it means cat asshole, and that's actually the only. It's the only actual like explanation for the history of that word. That it's the Dutch uh, that in like the 1600s called the Danish Sea Kattegat because it was like narrow to get through or something like that for this wow. you know, the, the sailing road. Makes sense. So it has nothing to do with the Viking age at all. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I love read, it. I read the other day that Katagat was called different, but I forgot. The, how, how did they call it? Do you remember that? 
Uh, no, I actually don't. It was something with like like like, like we had Östersö. Uh, yeah, it was something like Jullandsö uh, or Schieland. I don't remember it, but it it had uh, it it said as all that Kattegat is younger, but it's good to know. Kattegat. Yeah, no, that it's gotta. So there's gotta be a word for it somewhere in the saga somewhere. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Have to, like dig around for that. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. Actually. That would be a nicer thing to to learn. I'm uh, looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely to talk to all of you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very Lovely much. Lovely to talk to you guys. <laughs> you are welcome back anytime. Um, thank you very much.